0: Welcome to the Office Flip Flops podcast. My name is Francesca Zampaglione, and I am a CPA turned stylist, confidence builder, resilience connoisseur, and my love for coffee exceeds my love for high heels. Each week, you'll hear tips about how others confidently present themselves. This podcast is going to be your superpower for your life and career success. Let's dive in. Hey guys, it's Francesca. Welcome back. Welcome back to Office Flip Flops. Thank you so much for being here. So today's episode is part two of my time with Dr. Shahana Alibi. Dr. Shahana is a mental health expert in British Columbia, and her work provides such an incredible level of detail and perspective that I couldn't wait to share it with you, especially because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So my friends, without further ado, Dr. Shahana, part two. So I guess from the time that you offered your TED Talk, which I thought was amazing, to today, so that that was right before the pandemic started, how has your practice changed or shifted if that if at all, but my sense is that it has, and maybe more recently now than ever,
1: but yeah,
0: let's talk about that for a second.
1: Well, of course, yeah. One of the premises of my TED talk was this idea that, you know, I kept seeing the same kind of patient just with a different name, right? It was the same sorts of issues. And I began to realize that I'm not sure how it works in the states but especially here you know education and healthcare are in silos we don't talk to each other I have no idea what happens in the classroom and yet for most children they spend a large majority in the classroom and yet they come and see me after the class and I have no idea what's being taught I can't leverage on any emotional intelligence training if at all has been done in the classroom Um, And I certainly don't know, I don't have eyeballs on them in the class. So it was this idea of how do we start to break down these these silos and actually start to come at the same table for this issue that's pervasive amongst our society, whether in North America and in other areas too. And the outcome of that has really been me working within a school. So now I actually go not just at the foundry, but I'm actually in a school where kids end up going to the school if they can't be in a regular school system, for whatever reason, right, So they've had to be asked to leave, they've wanted to leave, they need a different pace, they might be new moms, um, all sorts of things. And so it's a very unique, but a very robust group of students. And I'm there at least once a week in this little portable, and we we make it work, we don't have much equipment, but uh, right, we get it done. And that's a great because now I'm not just working with kids. I'm working with school counselors and I'm, right. working with, and I'm working one-on-one with youth workers who say, look, they might look great at school, but I know they've been drinking all night. I know uh, that, you know, like I, I know they have no resources and they have those eyeballs that I don't. So that is a huge step forward, but of course more needs to be done. And sure. like you said, the practice, I I feel COVID of course, from a mental health perspective was, was difficult on all of us. Right. But I think the one perhaps slight positive that it did, I always use this analogy that no patient would ever come to me and say, you know, Dr. Alibi, I'm too good. I'm too good for exercise. I'm too good for eating right. Like I'm just, my body is just perfect. Like I'm really, really, like nobody's ever gonna tell me that. Right. But yet why do we have that premise with mental health? Right. You know, so COVID changed the dialogue and it changed the dialogue for me and my team and my patients that mental health is not a you or me disease. It's meant for all. Mental health yes. is meant for all health. And I think I love that. we have no choice but now to actually recognize that.
0: Right. And no choice because the topic is prevalent and that's why your work is so important. So let's Let's shift a little bit to because you have a framework that kind of talks about happiness. And I love to speak to that topic because I it, happiness is an inside job, right? And you have um like how can we train ourselves? How, what can we change within ourselves to be happy? Like what do what do you suggest?
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, this is something I'm so passionate about because, like I always say, 12 years of postgraduate education. no no one ever told me this. I I didn't know. I I studied kinesiology. I studied nutrition. I thought, okay, I'm down. I got this. But no, I had nothing. So this was hard for me. And I only wish somebody had told me how my brain works. But if I just back up for just a quick second, before we even go into this, we have to understand that why do we care about ourselves? Like if we didn't care about ourselves, why have this conversation? And I think we use the word self-love way too much. It's kind of like other words that have been overused in the English language. But what if we talk about self-acknowledgement? What if you take a second to think of all the things that have happened in your life on one side of a column? And on the other side of a column, you use your qualities, your strengths, and your abilities that have allowed you to surpass those, those obstacles, for example, we always can criticize and critique ourselves, but we're never curious. We're never curious as to, oh, my word, I, I did make it through that divorce, didn't I? You know, wow. I lost my job and, and I'm still here. I went mm-hmm. through that health struggle and I'm I'm continuing on. I consciously I also work at a breast cancer uh, facility as well, and that's also a very difficult job. But I have to remind patients that are going through recurrences too that you've come so far. I don't think we give ourselves permission to measure our success backwards and actually to appreciate ourselves and to see ourselves like maybe our our loved ones do. So right now I need to give you that permission to give you that confidence so that you can do the work ahead. So that's step number one. Step number two is that the cornerstone to all of this is self-awareness, right? Right. And I think once again, we think of this as this nebulous term, like what is self-awareness? But in in summary, it's it's allowing ourselves to look at ourselves like a toddler would look at themselves with curiosity. Yes. When, why did I get so angry last night? Why did I feel at my wits end? Not why, just the why, but not going, oh, see, here I go again. Look, that's um. my typical behavior. We, we love to put ourselves down. I had one patient the other day and I used the words, do you have lifters or do you have squashers in your life? Who do you have? Do you have a lifter or a squasher? Lifter or squasher. squasher. And it was lovely because it was language that she as a 14 year old could understand. And she's like, Dr. Shahana, it was, they're all squashers. They just want to squash me down. But I kind of reminded her, you're doing that to yourself too. You constantly put yourself down. And the next level of that is that you need to understand that that dialogue, that voice in your head, that tape, it's not you. Emotions are biology and biography. They're Uh, both. Right? There's the, the, the childhood experiences. When you were a little baby that was born... You didn't have that critiquing voice in your head going oh shoot why did i poop in my diaper again like you didn't do that right, right. that was that was that voice right. in your head is the voice of your parents is the voice of your teacher is the voice of your friends is the voice of your lived experiences so we need to separate separate ourselves from that and we can only do that if you can imagine a skeleton you have you have to have something to fall back on something to go that I'm being curious about myself because I appreciate myself, but I know I have some sort of skeletal frame that I feel worthy. Yes. Because. And this is the difference between identity and your values. We live in identity rich society that even if you, I've gone on other podcasts, they say, well, tell me who you are. Well, I could say I'm a mom of three boys under six and right. I'm a physician and I'm this and I'm that. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. Because when you go to a dinner party, those poor people are walking away in 10 seconds. They don't care who you are. And the thing is that we don't realize that who you are today and who you are in even a year from now are completely different. So it's our, that skeletal frame that you can lean back on is your value system. Is your value system. I, I once, love that. Right. I had a young girl one time in the office and it was So funny, we're talking and she's sharing some really in-depth stuff with me and I can see a spider on the wall. And I'm terrified, terrified of spiders. And I'm trying to concentrate on her, but I can't because all I can focus on is the spider. And she looks and follows my gaze and she goes, oh, do you want me to take care of that? And I said, yes, thank you. This is amazing, thank you. So I hand her a Kleenex thinking she's going to take care of it, meaning squash it. And she looks back at me with the most seething look in her eyes and says, I don't kill things. I don't kill things. And I said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, do you have a cup? I said, okay, I got her a cup. And she you know, let the little critter outside and all was well. And it was this moment of, I might have not, we might not have shared the same value systems in her, the choice of behaviors, the choice of how she dressed, the choice of her decisions. Like right. Her value. She was so staunch in that. And I, re- I called her out on that. I said, I so applaud you for this because here I am ready to kill this thing. And you are going, no, this is not what I believe in. So we use that as leverage to frame. Well, what else do you care so deeply about?
0: Oh, that's beautiful.
1: Right. So it's so and I think we need to remind ourselves of that because the other premise is the only reason you're having an emotion is because you care about it. If you didn't care about it, you wouldn't be having an emotion. So emotions leave you clues. Emotions are just energy and motion. They just come and they go. Right. The problem is that we get stuck in our emotions and we don't get stuck in the sensations. We get stuck in the story. Oh, yes, do we, we do. Lo- we love a good story, don't we? Like my favorite story is feeling sorry for myself. I'll call myself out right now. It's poor me. It's the mom that does everything. It's the working <laughs> mom. It's the mom who has to cook. Look at me and feel sorry for me. Right? right? Behind your story, you find your significance. You find what you crave significance for. And boy, do I crave significance for the doing it all mom. And that's right? why when you go to a party or you go and you know, talk to somebody and they're like blabbering at you of everything that they have accomplished, you should take a step back and go, oh, they crave significance. We all do. We all do different flavor. It's just a different flavor of it. And we want it from our spouses and we want it from our kids, but we don't get it. And therefore we seek it. We try to get our dopamine hits in other ways, food, alcohol, Netflix, there's the list goes on and on social media. We compare ourselves. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Or we post incessantly saying, look at me, look, I've got it all together. Right. Right. And a picture picture is not worth a thousand words, is it? Because it's just a split second. So you're, I think it's all of this. It's understanding that your emotions have a beginning, middle and end, but we get stuck in the middle because we get stuck in our story. And I always say that you're the best salesperson you will ever meet because boy, can you sell yourself that story.
0: Yep, indeed.
1: And, indeed. And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm sure your parts of your story are true, but you got to ask yourself, does it serve you? Does me feeling pitiful for myself, does me feeling sorry for myself serve me? Oh, it feels good. It's like a warm, right. cozy bed on a Sunday morning that you don't want to get out of. So, but so I think this is a- a mistake that our society also makes, we go, you have a feeling, snap out of it. It's the snap out of it. Well, you can't snap out of it until you've gone through the emotional loop, until you've felt the feeling. So feel it. Sit down. Feel sorry for yourself. Feel angry. Feel frustrated. Feel it. I encourage you to feel it. We are in a feeling list society because we're so afraid of uncomfortable emotions. I'm giving you permission. But then just ask yourself, how long? Is it right. today? Is it tomorrow? Is it a week from now? Whatever the case might be. And if you can legitimately say that that emotion serves you well, then have at her. But most of the times it probably isn't, right? And that's where you need to learn to shift.
0: To right? shift
1: and pause, right? And or is that something different? We No, very good question. I think we sometimes mistake shift as in a huge, you know, 90 degree turn, I'm going to be happy and excited and everything is going to be great. A shifting is the movement of the head. It's as subtle as that. It's a conscious decision that uh, if I'm stuck in this state, this is just no longer serving me. I always call it, there's two ways that you can approach this. You break the cycle or you break it down. If you break the cycle, it's like actually saying someone needs to break this cycle of me, of inertia.
0: Because I'll
1: be honest, once I get in my loop of overwhelm, it's very, very hard for me to deplete it because I've had you know, years and years of practice at it. Those railroad tracks in my brain are well-groomed and that train just wants to go on that track.
0: That's right. So
1: I can shift it by asking myself, what do, I, do I want to do something physical in my body because we have a gateway to our mental health, that's called our physical health, or do I want to shift it mentally? So if I want to shift it physically, For me, it's stepping outside, literally changing the room that I'm walking in, opening a door and saying, I'm going outside, going for a small walk, using temperature, hot drink, cold drink, ice cube, cold shower, warm bath. Temperature is a, because you usually can't focus on the pain of holding an ice cube and the pain of your thoughts at the same time. Or it can be as nice as having a warm cup of tea and just actually not chugging it down, enjoying the tea enjoying it and savoring it exactly tasting something the tea the taste you can do the touch which is a butterfly hug crossing your body whenever you cross body you stimulate both sides of your brain and this will show up on the youtube video as i'm patting myself in opposite directions here that's a a famous calming technique called the butterfly hug that was used for hurricane survivors like all of these are, are breathing of course we talk about breathing a ton but you know, it could be as simple as two sharp inhales followed by a long exhale. They have done studies that this actually stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest nervous system part. Because if you think about it, when you do the ugly cry, you do that two sharp inhales followed by an exhale. Yeah. Right. And I use
0: that breathing technique to fall If I have trouble uh, falling asleep, Dr. Shahana, I use that breathing technique that too quick and exhale and it works because before I know it, it's it's morning. So that's, thank you for bringing that up and thank you for bringing up the shift in temperature and, you know, taking a walk. I often mention that to my clients and my friends and, you know, just little things to shift and change. And it's, it may seem small, but it has a big impact, right. And how we feel.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like we, we can talk about like you're just you're opening up the window and sticking your head out like you're, you're doing something to actually physically break the cycle. And I always say, you know, we spend so much time paying for our health insurance, disability insurance, travel insurance. But do any of us have a mental health insurance plan? No, no. none of us do. So I actually, you know, when I talk to my youth, I get them to write it out. When I, my triggers are da, 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 like, for example, for me, my triggers might be the bewitching hour with my kids, which all parents know is later in the evening and they're going right. a little bit crazy and I'm trying to make dinner. That's a prime time where I feel that flush of heat come through me, where I feel my heart racing. The thought is not even there, but I feel it physically in my body. And I go, Oh, here sure. it comes again. There's the overwhelm. And if you don't want to do the physical adaptations to kind of shift, You can do the mental adaptations. And the number one thing I call it is constructive distraction. You know, we're all about putting down social media. Oh, it's awful and all this stuff. But what if I said, what if you use constructive distraction? What if you set the timer for five minutes and went into social media with with a purpose? The purpose being I'm going to find something that's going to make me laugh and smile. It's great for that. Sure. have at her with cat videos or whatever makes you smile go for it set the timer but intention with intention you block the idea of numbing because it's numbing that's numbing is our nemesis numbing is our nemesis but I love
0: that setting it with intention like limiting ourselves um oh gosh I I, I'll use that today. Are you kidding? That's such a great tip. It's mm-hmm. just setting a timer and just mm-hmm. intentionally knowing what you're looking for, whatever, right? To be happy. What Absolutely. what tremendous tips you're sharing. I love this, Dr. Shahana, so much, and um, I feel that it's something we can all use at any age, right? For ourselves, for our families, for our children, all everyone. Oh.
1: Of course. And I think it starts so young, right? It starts by, you know, like I've mentioned, I have a two, four and six-year-old boy. And I remember one time I was making a grocery list or something on the whiteboard and I used checks for what I got and X's for what I I didn't have. And my six-year-old son, or he was five then, he looked at me and goes, mommy, don't use the X's. And And I said, why? Why? He's like, I don't like them. And it made me realize that he's five. He's not even in the regular school system yet, but there's something about liking the check mark and not liking the X, X meaning failure, X meaning you didn't do it right. Wow. Right. And I thought, isn't that incredible? Like it's conditioned in us to, to not fail. Right. And I talk about this a lot that we need to practice failing. We Uh. need to practice falling. My son, my younger son is learning how to rollerblade which is a whole different story in the house which is another whole different story and we were watching a YouTube video on how do you teach someone to rollerblade and the guy guy correctly said you need to practice fall so that when you actually do fall you fall correctly Mm. and I lived my life needing and wanting perfection everything had to be perfect because if it wasn't perfect then I wasn't perfect and if I wasn't perfect that was my identity my identity was transactional. Mm. If, I was, if I was smart, and if I could help you with your homework, then you would like me, right? Isn't that the way that this is all going to go down? And mm. we do that as adults. We do that as kids. Yes. It's, it's the funny person. It's a person who's good at music. It's a person. Enjoy that. But the minute you're realizing that I'm doing this to get a response or an outcome from you, well, then suddenly... What I have is perceived as worth to you. And there's something wrong in that, isn't it? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. It's teaching our kids all of this. It's teaching our kids that it's okay. It's actually really good to be my, my son on spring break was saying, mommy, I'm bored. I'm like, yes, you're bored. That's amazing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Celebrating that. That's where your creative time is going to come from. You know, I made right? a mistake on that. That's awesome. That's okay. Right. Right because I didn't start off in medical school. I actually started off in chiropractic school. I turned down medicine, went to chiropractic school, day one of chiropractic school. I knew it wasn't for me. I loved the material. I just was awful with my hands. Um, uh, And I thought I'm just gonna continue because the thought of admitting to my family and myself that I'd made a mistake and spent thousands of dollars and moved across the country was too much to bear because i would never failed before, right? I do, hear you. you acceptance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Acceptance. We put so much value on acceptance. We, we've just gone through all the stages of life, pretty much as a child, as an adult in, in, in college, we place so much value on that. And truly to get to the happiness
1: part, we need to see what makes us happy,
0: right? It's Absolutely. making that shift.
1: Well, the whole premise, this idea of I'm just going to work hard and then I'm going to be, and I'm going to get success and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to work hard, get success and be happy. But guess what? It's a constant moving target because the minute you achieve that New York Times bestseller, whatever the case might be, or the Olympic gold medal, like these are big achievements. These people are unhappy. So what if we change our frame of reference and said, it's not, it's train your brain not to be happy, but to be content, work hard to help somebody else in some way, shape or form. And the loop goes on and on because you have no choice but to be happy if you help someone else. Like there's right. no other way of going about it. That's right. And it doesn't have to be in a in a big way. I can, you can be, you know, a plumber, a mechanic and just do a really good job and see someone smile. You've done your job.
0: And you've right? done your job. That's the journey. That's the journey. And that's what I love to say too is, when i you know when the call ends and at the end of the call the person on the other end says to me oh i feel so much better thank you that's it day is over that's yeah. what i needed today right Absolutely. it's it's the journey dr shahana not the destination well i know you do a number of presentations and i want to ask you the star question because you are a star guest today what one piece of clothing or accessory when you put it on really lights you up? Like, how does it make you feel?
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, You know, honestly, it's the necklace that I'm wearing right here.
0: It's so beautiful. It
1: was, yeah, yeah. So I always do try to wear some sort of necklace. Usually it's this one. I don't usually change it. I'll sleep with it and everything too. And honestly, I think by by wearing it, even if I'm in my mom clothes most of the time and I'm not at work, it, it has a semblance of making me feel special and put together and and gives you that little bit of sparkle when you look in the mirror. So I think it's something so simple as that. And it was given to me by a very, very close friend.
0: That's wonderful. And that's what matters, the simplicity. I look for the same. So I so love this conversation. I so love connecting with you here. But if there's someone listening today or when they listen to this show, perhaps another time, because I know I'm going to listen to it a few times myself uh, on purpose, where can they find you, Dr. Shahana? Where's the best place for them to reach you?
1: No, for sure. So you can go to my website, uh, drshahana.com. There's a free quiz that you can take there um, outlining the optimal health pyramid, just something that I created that once again, puts the focus where it needs to be on thinking better and training your brain and kind of completes the loop with this idea that where can you have impact and purpose and contribution? And that really drives your contentment. So you can do the free quiz there and sign up for my emails and then on social media at the Dr. Shahana and on Instagram mainly, and you can come say hi on LinkedIn too.
0: Awesome. Well, I will put all of those links in the show notes and connect with you on all of those places if I haven't already, but thank you so much for your time. This has been a complete pleasure, and joy, and honor. I appreciate your time today, Dr. Shahana.
1: My pleasure. I feel the same way. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. My friends, I can't thank Dr. Shahana enough for her time, especially during this time, especially during the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. She gives us so much to think about, not just for the people, the loved ones in our lives, but ourselves as well. So here are my top three takeaways of my time with Dr. Shahana, part two. Number one, mental health is not a you or me disease. It is meant for all. Number two, the cornerstone to happiness is self-awareness. So we should look at ourselves as a toddler will look at themselves, right? With curiosity, not judgment. I love that. Number three, emotions leave you clues and are just energy emotion, right? They come and they go. But here's the problem is that we get stuck in the story. But this is something for sure that we should pay attention to because as she reminds us, Behind the story, we find our significance. So I ask you, I ask you to pay attention to this next time the emotions move you, your emotions move you. What significance do you crave? My friends, as always, I have a challenge for you, something for you to think about between today and next week's episode, and it is this, what small shift or change can you make today? to physically break the cycle of unhappiness. She gives us some really easy suggestions like opening the window or taking a walk. Sometimes it's a shift in temperature. Something like that could make a significant impact on how we feel. So I'm going to incorporate these changes as much as I can for sure, my friends. So in the meantime, I have a couple of other links in the show notes that I'll call your attention to. I have an email list. I have complimentary confidence sessions. I would just love to hear from you on Instagram. There's a link to that as well. DM me and let me know your top takeaway, how you felt about the show, and perhaps just to say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, my friends, I'll see you next week. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed it, please take a second right now and subscribe and share this with your friends too. And while you're there, leave a review with your biggest takeaway today. We come out with a new episode every Thursday morning and you don't want to miss it. Okay, my friends, embrace your superpower and wrap yourself in something that shows your confidence. I'll see you next time.